0: Please stand by. We're streaming live. Hey, good morning. It's good to be here with you on a Monday morning studying the Word of God. And if you've been tracking with us over the past uh, several weeks, we've been working through the book of James. And we finished, we actually finished the book of James. Last week, uh, Friday, Friday, our dear friend, uh, Pastor Dr. Reverend Frank Appel, finished up the last two verses of the book of James, chapter five, brethren. If if you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. What a powerful uh, Ending to a wonderful book, and this Bible study is that I'm going to do this morning is is really sort of a uh, just my take on on the book of James as an overview and some some comments that I want to bring to the table about how I see the book of James impacting my life personally, and sort of invite you into considering what I have to say, and how it impacted me, and maybe you find it uh, find some, some uh, little nuggets as well. So the book of James, really, when I think about the book of James, I think of it as a book that says, desperately live a life of wisdom. Live a life that is full of wisdom. And that plays itself out in many ways. You know the James is an Old Testament guy. He was a Jewish guy, brother of Jesus, half brother of Jesus, and and uh, so he's an Old Testament guy. And when I when I, you can't read the book of James without thinking about the book of Proverbs, right? I mean, the book of Proverbs is is the book. It's the it's uh, it's the book about wisdom. The first nine chapters out of the book of Proverbs is just all about it, saying. Saying that wisdom is is something that we should we should be going after desperately. For instance, let's look at Proverbs four seven. Okay, and this is just one. Uh, this is just one uh, out of several verses we could do. We'll do a few more. Proverbs four seven. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing meaning the number 1 the most important wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and with all you're getting get understanding in other words at whatever cost the NIV says though it cost all you have though it cost all you have get wisdom get it Go after it. You need it. Of course, what kind of wisdom? Well, not earthly wisdom, right? And that's what James is saying. Okay? As we saw in in James 3, it says, uh, 3.13, going back to some verses we did uh, earlier in James, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So, The type of wisdom we're to go after is the wisdom from God, not earthly wisdom. Okay, let's look at some other, uh, let's look at some other, let's see. I had one here, and I want to, I want to find it for you again, where it talks about the value of getting wisdom. Here we go. Proverbs, Proverbs, uh, let me see where to start here. Let's go Proverbs one hundred twenty. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the street. She cries in the chief place of concourse in the openings of the gates. In the city she utters her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called. And you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. In other words, if we call out to wisdom, God's not going to withhold it. If we call out and say, God, I want whatever type of wisdom you have, God will give it to us. So then we have to turn to 1 Corinthians. And we have to look at chapter 2 where Paul talks about true wisdom, true wisdom. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of scriptures here to sort of do the setup, but the Word of God is powerful, so I want to read some, some other of the classic passages that talk about wisdom and the value of it. Really just to sort of encourage you that uh, this is a good thing. And I, brethren, when I came to you, chapter 2, verse 1, of First Corinthians and I brethren, when I came to you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them who are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, it would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, there's a wisdom that God used to establish the foundations of the earth. That's in the Proverbs, by the way. It says that uh, by wisdom God established the foundations of the, of the earth. That the wisdom of God was there even before light was created. And so there's, a, there's an eternal wisdom hidden in the heart of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And James has been calling out to us run after it. Run after it. So my question to you this morning is simply, what do you value in life? You see, all of us, all of us will behave based on what we value. Let me say that again. All of us, the choices that we make, the things that we say, the things that we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, the people that we invest in will reflect the things that we actually value. So to say that you value something, but then all of your actions show something different, would tell me that your values are actually different than what you say they are. And so to learn what we actually think is important in life, we have to honestly go, go look at your checkbook. Go look at your, go look at your bank account and see where your money went. That's going to tell you what you value. In other words, you know, do you value the kingdom? Have you been tithing? Have you been wasting money on things that have nothing to do with taking care of your family or or serving the Lord or, you know, what are you spending your money on? What are you spending your time on? Go look at your calendar. Where has your time been spent? So the question is, what are you valuing in your life this morning that really is a worldly value? And can that value system be restructured so that we put our values in the things that are, have eternal value. That's really the question. Now, who was the, who was the person that the Bible says no one compared to him in wisdom? Who was it? It was Solomon, right? Solomon. The famous story where Solomon, God says, I'll give you whatever you ask for, right? He could have asked for anything. Well, he asked for wisdom. God said, Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Because you ask for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. And also, because you ask for wisdom, that wisdom is going to enable you to have an, a, a massive kingdom, have all kinds of riches, and it's, it's going to be a wonderful thing. You, you're going to be blessed because you asked for wisdom. You didn't ask for gold and this and that and this and that. You asked for wisdom. So, so Solomon was blessed, right? He had wisdom. But Solomon had a flaw. Anybody know what it was? Solomon had a flaw. Solomon's hearted heart was divided. Okay. Solomon's heart, even though he asked the Lord for wisdom, uh, his heart was divided. Let me say that. He was the wisest person in the Bible. But his heart was divided. So even though he had wisdom, his heart was split. Okay, King David, now listen, King David didn't have the wisdom of his son Solomon, but his heart wasn't split. Was David perfect? No, he had some horrible sins. Lord have mercy. Bathsheba, the the census, which ended up in the destruction of 70,000 Israelites. I mean, have you ever had a sin where 70,000 people died because of it? I couldn't imagine the weight of guilt that he felt for that. You know? When Nathan the prophet came to him and, and, and convicted him that what he did to Uriah was just... Horrible man. And then his and then he fasts for a week, praying that his son wouldn't die, but God takes his son. Whew, man, he but so he had some sins, had some bad ones, but his heart was not divided. Okay, and because his heart wasn't divided, God honored David and said, Your throne will last forever. Okay, but what happens to Solomon? Let's see. Chapter 11. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Now look, come on. Well, this is not misogynistic here. Okay? The problem is not the women. The problem was that the women worshipped false gods. Okay, we're going to see that. So I'm going to say that right off. All right, just Come on now. Y'all don't, don't go down there. All right? Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, So he had a bunch of ites plus the Zidonians. And of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they shall turn away your heart, your heart, after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. It's, it's not that the, the the women themselves are the problem. It's that it causes his heart to turn away. It causes his heart to turn away. So anything of this world can cause your heart to turn away, you know. And so uh, for men, you know, women that are worldly women, for women worldly men, money, reputation wanting to be beautiful, wanting to be the most popular, uh, all kinds of things, right? Can turn our hearts away. Okay? So, what I want to say is that even though wisdom is something that we have got to be running after it, getting wisdom is not the same as having a heart that's fully devoted to God. Okay? So, having all the wisdom of God isn't the same as having a heart that's fully devoted to God. They're two different things. And we can't get confused to think that if we go and we get all the wisdom of God, then, you know, we're good. Oh, our heart has got to be fully committed to God 100%. And wisdom will bless your life and wisdom will give you the ability to to navigate this life with grace and with uh, purpose and will... I mean, just read Proverbs. It will save you from all kinds of of things. But having our heart fully devoted to God is a different thing. And so Solomon's heart ended up being divided. For it came to pass, verse 4, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So notice that even though David had sins, his heart was 100% towards God. He messed it up big time. I mean, but man, he would come and fall and he would repent and he'd ask God to forgive him and he would take the punishment. Whatever the consequence was, he would weather it and say, I'm still following you, God. For Solomon went after the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after... Milcom, the abomination of the Edomite, Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And it commanded to him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of you, and you have not kept my covenant and my statues, which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you, and will give it to your servants. David's heart was 100% committed. God said, I establish your throne forever. Solomon's heart was divided. God said, I'm taking it. Now he ends up saying, and I won't read it uh, right now, but he ends up saying that for the sake of David, I'm going to save Judah. And the lineage of David will, uh, will rule over Judah, and, that, and eventually the eternal King Jesus uh, came from the tribe of Judah to be the eternal King and Savior and Lord. Amen. So so as I think about this passage, uh, and I think about wisdom that James is asking us to go after, and I think about Proverbs, but then I think about Solomon, I think about David, you know, the question to me is, it's sort of twofold, is what do I value in my life, and where's my heart? That's that's what I'm asking myself this morning. What do I value in my life? And where's my heart? So, question, we've already looked at this question a little bit. Are there some things in our lives that we can highlight that we have been putting value on that we need to realize that they have no value in the kingdom of God? They have no value. And do we need to bring those to the Lord and surrender them and say, God, I think I've been spending too much time placing value on this, and this is not of you. This is not something that I need to value. I need to I need to reorient my priorities in my life, and I need to put value on some other things. And I need you to guide me through your Word, through your Spirit, through others, investing in my life how to reorient, Realign my values so that it's things that honor you, God, and it's not just living for myself. And then the second question is, where's your heart? Where is our heart this morning? Where's my heart this morning? Is it 100% devoted to God in spite of all my weaknesses and failures? You know, Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's not whether we have weaknesses or failings, like Paul or David or any others. Do we bring our weaknesses before God and say, God, I know I'm imperfect. I know I have things that you're trying to work on me about, but I'm 100% committed to you, God. I, I want whatever You have for my life. And God, I know that in probably many ways, I'm oblivious to my own sins, and there's probably things I don't, I'm don't, i not even aware of that You have to do something for me. One of my favorite passages that came out of our uh, study on Leviticus is out of Leviticus chapter 4. I've quoted this before. Verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done. Okay, And then it talks about the sin offering. And I'm just, you know, God is so good. Because He said to Moses, look, they're going to do a bunch of sinning and they don't even know they're going to be doing it. <laughs> and, you know, if the soul, if somebody sins out of ignorance, in other words, they're just living life, and they just—they're just sinning a bunch of sins, and they don't even know they're doing it. And that's all of us. I mean, all of us. If we were fully aware of the depth of our sin, all in one moment, we'd crumple up and and come to nothing. We don't. I mean, God is—he blinds us from the depths of our own depravity. And he simply says, you know, I don't need to take you into a deep, dark pit. I'm going to reveal enough of it to you so that you'd be convicted and come to the altar and accept your forgiveness. But I'm not here to just condemn you and point the finger. That's a little bit of a trail there. But that's okay. Okay, so where is your heart this morning? And where are your value systems? And so I want to ask you to spend a little bit of time praying about that, asking the Lord to reveal to you, uh, Lord, where is my heart this morning that I maybe need to realign some things? For instance, looking at uh, the famous passage of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6:19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what shall, what shall... What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Then he goes on later and says, and yet uh, where is it? Take no thought, saying, yeah. He repeats himself. Then he said, where's it? Where's the kicker verse? Uh, here it is, verse thirty-three. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, we have enough going on. You can't add a single day to your life. You can't add a single moment. All of your days are in the hands of God. So commit your way to the to God, and He will take care of you. He will provide for you. So, Where's your heart? Is your heart set on, I've got to secure my future. So you have a divided heart. You serve the Lord, but on your in your own strength, you're, you know, keeping here, 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 because it's in your power to secure your future, and you're just worried about your future, and you're worried about your retirement account, and you're 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 constantly looking at it, thinking to yourself that, man, maybe that's not enough. Inflation's going up. I need more. Ooh, that's a trap right there. That is a trap. Be careful not to give in to that trap because the Lord wants your whole heart. The Lord wants your whole heart. So let me pray for us this morning as we wrap up the last five minutes and ask you in verse 7 of James 4, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near unto God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. And He shall lift you up. You know, that's the life of faith. It's difficult sometimes because everything in the world is anti-faith. Everything of this world is just anti-faith in God. Jesus said, if you follow me, the world's going to hate you. What do you do with that? <laughs> you know? Well, at least you let us know ahead of time. <laughs> so don't act so surprised when you stand for Jesus. And the world comes at you and tries to throw everything at you and divide your heart and try to put doubt and fear. Submit yourselves to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Draw near to God and He will draw near to to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. Humble yourself and He will lift you up. That's a promise. That's a promise out of the Word of God that if you humble yourself before Him and you take everything that's in your life, and you put it before Him and say, God, I just confess to You that in some ways my heart has been divided. It's been divided here. It's been divided there. It's been divided over here. And I have not fully devoted myself to You yet. God's not going to just stand there and condemn you. The Lord is going to lift you up. Why? Because you're humbling yourself before Him. You're humbling yourself before Him. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture in Ezekiel. I think it's in Ezekiel 3 or 4. God tells Ezekiel to do one of these symbols of uh, the coming judgment. And he says, take a bunch of hair and spread a bunch of it outside of the city, spread some of it inside the city, and then cast some of it to the winds. Okay, And so that's the symbol that the judgment of the Babylonians has come, you know, Ezekiel is, is exiled by the river Kabar in Babylon, and uh, and so, you know, the Lord says to Ezekiel, "You got to prophesy to my people." And so he does these symbols, and that's one of them is the hair. So Ezekiel takes a hair and he casts some of it outside the city, he puts some of it in the city and burns it, and those are the ones that are going to die by the plague. And then he casts some to the wind, and those are the ones that are exiled. But then he tells Ezekiel, "Take a few of the hairs." and wrap them up in the folds of your garment and hide them there. And I want you to know that if you're found in Christ this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, whenever you're listening, you're one of the hairs that's hidden in the garment of the Lord, hidden over the shadow of the wing of the Almighty, because you humble yourself and you put your trust in Jesus. So let's have a heart that's fully committed to God, Let's thank the Lord that He's hidden us inside of the folds of His garment, like one of those little hairs that Ezekiel put there to show that those who are hidden in Jesus, it's a prophecy, those who are hidden in Jesus are saved by the Almighty. Their sins are covered and forgiven. Why would we not completely cast ourselves upon a God like that? I hope you were encouraged this morning. Let me pray for you before we go. And we'll see you again tomorrow morning. God, bless us today, thank you for your conviction, because it comes not to harm us, but to bring us into a fuller understanding of your grace, a a fuller understanding of the abundant life, because anything that we go after in this world that divides our heart or puts value in something that's not from you, God, it actually is a diminished life from what you have in your heart for us. So, God, we come to You this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time it is, saying that, God, we want You to speak into our lives so that we can be a blessing to our family, so we can be a blessing to our communities, so that we don't live for self, but we humble ourselves and we see You exalt us. And So, God, have mercy upon us. Forgive our sins. Have Your grace upon our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. And we will see you for another Bible study next time. Have a great day.